You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. If you have been following Freedom Fellowship Church, if you have been listening to our podcasts, uh, which are now available through Podbean, through Spotify, through Apple Podcasts, I encourage you to do that because what we've been doing Last week, we finished a series on, that we titled, Here I Am, Lord, Send Me, which is talking about Isaiah chapter 6, when the Lord commissioned the prophet Isaiah, he said, who am I going to send to take this message that I have for the people? Who's going to take that and send that out to the people? And Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. So, that's a four-part series that we did. You can listen to those podcasts today. You can download those. And today what we're going to do is we're going to begin a new series, as you can see behind me, on Titus. So we're going to be taking a look at this. This is a very, very short chapter, very, very short letter in the New Testament. So if you would please open up your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. And so what we're going to look at today, it's a lot better if you were going to travel to, let's say, my hometown of San Antonio, Texas. If I told you to go to San Antonio, you're not just going to jump on the road and start driving. Some of you who have been there before, you may do that. You may know it by heart. But what you're going to do is you're going to sit down and you're going to pull out a map if you're old school or if you're new school pull up your phone, Google Maps, and you know that sort of thing. But what you want to do, you want to figure out how you're going to get there. So which roads to follow, that sort of thing. That's what today is going to be. We're pulling out the map. Because in order for us to truly understand the depth of this particular letter from Paul to Titus, we need to understand where we're going and how we're going to get there. So today is just going to be kind of a flyover of the entire chapter, but you're going to get a lot of background to help us understand to whom this was written, why it was written, and why it's important to each and every one of us. So when we're talking about the letter from Paul to Titus, this is one of the last what they call pastoral epistles. Pastoral, of course, referring to pastor, It's basically one pastor to another. The Apostle Paul was a pastor. He was a shepherd. He went and planted these churches, but what he would do is he would appoint a pastor at each of these churches to oversee everything. Now, that pastor could not do everything by himself, so he had to enlist help, which we're going to talk about here in just uh, a little bit. So, When you're looking at the pastoral epistles, there's three in the New Testament. 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. Of course, those were written to two people, Timothy and Titus. I know I'm dropping some some major knowledge here, um, but that kind of helps us understand why this is written. One pastor to another as a list of things to do as an encouragement to this young shepherd. So Titus, we're, for the sake of time, uh, we're not going to go through all of this. Somebody don't amen that. Um, 
So if you look in Galatians chapter 2, Acts chapter 15, and Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, you will see a lot about this person named Titus. And and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to summarize it for you. He was a trusted assistant. He was a, sometimes what we would call a pinch hitter, a go-getter, a fellow worker with Paul. If you needed something done, this was your go-to guy. So that's who Titus was. And we're, we're going to see more as we go through this series about his personality, his heart. So in the book of Acts, Paul starts this church in a little island called Crete. If you have ever heard someone as an insult call someone a Cretan, has anyone heard that? Okay. That's where this comes from, and we're going to get more into it today. But in the book of Acts, on one of Paul's missionary journeys, he begins a church in Crete, this island in the Mediterranean. So he started the church as an apostle did back then. He went and started the church, but he leaves someone in charge, and that person's name is Titus. Now, like I said, Crete is an island in the Mediterranean Sea, about 100 miles south of modern-day Greece and Turkey. It's a pretty good-sized island out there. But here's what's interesting. On the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, you have a lot of people coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. There, he, uh, Luke records a lot of people, types of people, nationalities, that were there, including Cretans people from this island in the Mediterranean. So they were there at the day of Pentecost. Why is this important? Because they were there. They heard Peter's very famous sermon that's recorded in Acts chapter 2. So in other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ was not completely foreign to this group of people. They had heard about Jesus Christ. They had heard about grace through faith in him. So when Paul goes to begin this church in the book of Acts and leave his man, his pinch hitter, Titus, in charge of them, it is not something completely foreign to them like it would be, let's say, in Corinth. Corinth was what we would consider a cesspool of humanity with sex, drugs, and rock and roll and all of that kind of stuff. It was a very, very bad place because it was pagan by nature. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because it, the gospel was not completely foreign to this island known as Crete. So they were known for agriculture and training. They were a business hub. So a lot of people traveling in and out of Crete. So there is a chance that some of them had heard the gospel. So Christianity is not foreign to them, but Paul starts a church. So Here's kind of, I need you to pay attention to this. This is one of the linchpins in understanding why this letter is even written. So the island of Crete, you have a booming economy. You got people prospering financially. Everything that they touch is being blessed, including the church. So a booming economy leads to, those of us who lived through the 80s, Excess, right? 
lot of excess, a lot of disposable income, a lot of influence, all of that kind of stuff. Along with that comes corruption. So when we understand that this booming economy led to excess and corruption in their society, but also in their churches. So corruption, as we know, is by nature sin. So the Apostle Paul, when he is writing this letter of wisdom, again, it's an encouragement to his young man that he left there in Crete and said, you know what, you're doing a great job. Here's some things to help you fight against this. So what was Paul talking about? Look at Titus chapter 1, verse 12. And before we get to the text of the first four verses, I know I'm going to jump around a little bit, but that's to help us understand this. So look at Titus 1.12. Who is Paul talking about? What is Titus up against? So Titus 1.12 says, One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So, who would like that as a church congregation? Bunch of liars? Bunch of evil beasts? Lazy gluttons? That's who Paul was, uh, sorry, Titus was in charge of. That was the downfall of society that Titus was preaching to every week. So, you may be thinking, gosh, Paul, that's kind of mean to call them that. Well, Paul, those were not his words. Someone else said those words. It was a Greek poet by the name of Epimenides said that about the Cretans. Why? Because this had been going on for so long that they had developed a reputation. A reputation of being liars. And we know... John 8.44 tells us who is the father of lies. Say, okay, all right. Some of you guys are awake, all right. Satan is the father of lies behind all of that. They're evil beasts. They're lazy gluttons. That's who Paul was referencing in the known Greek world, saying these people have a reputation. So why did I put you in charge of that? Because I can count on you. Not just that, I can count on you as a person, but also because the Holy Spirit is calling you to be an overseer of these people. Now, he had a very, very tough task. Let's look at that in Titus 1, verse 5. So Titus 1, 5 tells us, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Now, we're going to talk about elders next week. Eric is going to preach on that. But the reason I bring this up is because Titus had his marching orders, which is I need you to set up standard operating procedure. I need you to fill the gaps where things are lacking. But the reason he is going to enlist the help of elders is because one person can't do it all. This one person who was appointed to do this by Paul 
couldn't do it alone. But I want you to look at this. We're going to jump around back to verse 13. This is the very, very unfavorable task that he had. So Titus 1.13, in reference to these liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons, Paul confirms this. He said, this testimony is true. Therefore, that therefore is therefore a reason why he is referencing what he just read. They are liars. They are evil beasts. They are lazy gluttons. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. That is a tall, tall task. But Titus, empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit, is going to get this done. Not because he's this awesome, awesome person in and of himself, because the power of God was there to help him accomplish this task. So he said, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. Now, by nature, I don't know if you guys know this, by nature, people don't like confrontation. Does anybody like confrontation? We've got a couple coaches in the room. Sometimes that's necessary, you know. People, by nature, don't like confrontation. So when you have your mentor saying, I need you to confront this head on, there is no possible way that he could have done that in and of himself apart from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he has a very, very difficult task. So Paul encourages Titus to do several things, and I'm just going to point out four of them. Because I want you to see, see, we have the, 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 the pleasure of reading our Bible and understanding that it meant something from one pastor to another, from Paul to Titus. It's correspondence between them two. But it was never meant to be a private letter to where Titus says, no, no, this is just for me. Because when the early church was being rolled out, unveiled by the Lord, there were certain things that had to happen. And what I'm talking about is Paul writing this letter. It was not just meant to be to Titus. It was meant to be to Titus, yes, but to be shared with the entire church body. That goes for all of the letters. They were meant to be shared with every church. Every Christian out there should have heard this. So for us in 2020, we understand, yes, this was Paul writing to Titus, but for us, we can look at it and draw things from it. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So the first thing is, and I'm just doing a what I call a flyover of this chapter. We're going to go through, really kind of pick this thing apart because it is, it is amazing. So he tells him, I need you to appoint elders and overseers to assist in your ministry. That's what Paul is telling him. But for us in America in 2020, we learn the qualifications and the need for elders. That's what we learn from this. Another one, there are false teachers in Crete in this place that Titus was up against a very, very tough crowd. We understand that Paul is telling Titus there are going to be false teachers. Here's how you can identify them. 
for us in 2020, we can look at this and we can learn what to look like from false teachers as well as sound teachers. That if they're exhibiting certain things about selfish gain and that sort of thing, be like, mm, that's a red flag right there. So, for Paul writing to Titus, there was a purpose. And for us in 2020, we understand that there is a purpose. In Titus chapter 2, when we get to this, it's how people should conduct themselves. That's what Paul was telling Titus. For us, we can learn our responsibility. Our responsibility to the next generation. As Christians, uh, let me show you what I'm talking about. Can everybody hold up an okay sign like this? Go ahead and hold it up. Everybody, everybody, everybody. I want you to put it on your chin just like that. Let me say that again. Put it on your chin just like that. Now, I did not come up with this. Dan Sanders, the CEO of United Supermarkets in Texas, came up with that. He did that at a leadership conference. The purpose of that, people do what you do, they don't do what you say. Right? Actions have consequences. Actions have influence. So when we get to Titus chapter 2, I want you to understand that you may be thinking, well, no, this is a pastoral epistle. I'm not a pastor. This doesn't really apply to me in 2020. But I would challenge you to say, yes, it does. Because we are supposed to conduct ourselves in a manner that is pleasing and honorable to the Lord, but so that others can see that. So, my parents who are watching here today through the internet used to have a saying, I have two brothers and we were all, you know, pretty close in age. Monkey see, monkey do, right? Same kind of thing. We would watch our older brother do something stupid, jump out of a tree and, you know, there's two people boom, boom, jumping right out behind him. We follow others. So our responsibility as Christian men and women is to model ourselves because other people are going to be watching us. Younger people are going to be watching us. And lastly, Paul emphasizes the need for sound doctrine and teaching. We get to observe this and practice this at Freedom Fellowship in 2020. Meaning, Paul was saying, even way back when, Titus, you've got to have sound teaching. You've got to have sound doctrine. So that's what we know Paul was saying to Titus. For us, we can look at this and say, yeah, we do need sound teaching. We do need sound doctrine. Titus is the most compact teaching of God's grace in the New Testament. Let me, let me put it this way. Has anybody ever drank the Minute Maid orange juice, the, the frozen thing? Do they still make those? I think they do. The orange juice from Concentrate, where you open it up, you pour it in a pitcher, and then you add a bunch of water to dilute it, right? 
Jesse and I talked about this on, on Wednesday night for midweek. God's grace in Titus chapters 2 and 3 is very much like not pouring it in a pitcher first with water. It's opening that frozen Minute Maid can and taking a sip like that. It is God's grace in concentrate. So that's how we can look at Titus chapters 2 and 3. There is a stress for the importance of good works. Now we know God's grace produces good works, voluntary good works, right? It's not a, gosh, I'm a Christian. I've got to do something kind for Tom now. Golly, that guy, you don't know what he did to me the other day. Okay, yeah, I I guess I got to, because I'm a Christian, got to be kind to him. Got to do something nice for him. Payback. All the times y'all two heckled me, yeah. (laughs) There is an importance of good works here. But also, we get insight from a pastor's heart to a pastor. We see that from the gift of exhortation and encouragement, of don't lose hope in what you're doing. You're going to do great things. Keep it up. That's what Paul talks about. Now, that's all introduction. Let's actually get to the text. Some people are mad saying, we got to get out of here. we got to get to the restaurant. We're going to look at the first four verses of Titus chapter 1. And this is kind of an extended greeting from Paul to Titus. And by the way, this is a formal if you were writing a letter in the Greco-Roman world, meaning Greece and Rome, if you were writing that, that meant someone else was going to see it. Paul was a trained author. He knew how to write this because some of those, uh, what do we call them, smart alecks in Greece, sitting there in, in Athens, would probably get a copy of this and be like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. I respect him as a writer. So Paul begins his letter this way. He says, Paul, a bondservant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect in the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness. So Eric mentioned that when the Hill family was up here, that Garth and his entire family have committed themselves to the truth. What is the truth? You're reading it right now. This is objective truth. So he says, in the acknowledgement of the truth which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began, but has in due time manifested his word through preaching, which was committed to me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Now let's stop right there. What Paul is talking about is preaching in the time of the early church. See, people didn't have a lap full of Bible. Things had to be passed down orally or hourly. I know my wife is going to strangle me for that one. I said that word wrong. But through auditory means, storytelling, that sort of thing. So, What Paul is talking about is he's saying, the Lord has committed to me 
a responsibility to act as an apostle. He notes that in verse 1, that he manifested his word through preaching. So, meaning preaching is very, very important. Now, do you have to go to seminary in order to preach? No, you don't. You have to be saved by the grace of God, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, that he rose him from the dead. That qualifies you to preach. When we are born into God's kingdom, we are able to preach. We are able to take the text of God's inspired word and proclaim that to other people. Like I said, this is a pastor writing to a pastor. He's reminding him, don't undersell the importance of preaching. And finally, in verse number four, to Titus, a true son in our common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's Paul's welcome, his beginning, his opening to this letter saying, here's all these things that you already know, but I'm going to reiterate to you that you are called here for a purpose. You are not going to fail at all. So all of these things by way of introduction, the next 46 verses that we're not going to cover today, relax, (laughs) that you'll amen. Okay. All right. I see where I'm at. The book of Titus is so short and compact. Like I said, it is like orange juice concentrate. But as you can see, this graphic that we have here says that the book of Titus, Paul's letter to Titus, is a foundation of grace, teaching, and good works. Where we go over the next few weeks is going to be exactly that. Every single verse in here has application to each of us. Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that went forth here today. Father, we thank you that we are gathered together in person and online, Lord, that we can share in this time together, that we come together collectively so that we can worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for the the word that went forth that people can now resonate and understand where we're going in a much clearer way. So Lord, we just say thank you for this opportunity. Once again, we lift up the Hill family to you that the next church that they go to is going to be blessed exceedingly and abundantly. And Lord, we just thank you for their service here at this church. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.